but I'm not a big fan of my own art. Yeah. And I think a lot of singer-songwriters are like that. Like, I saw Sting get inducted into uh, the Kennedy Center Honors. Okay. And I saw him interviewed, and he's always very scowly. Even though this album was great, he's already thinking about the next album. Hey, Ian Anderson. Welcome to episode 186 of The Commando Voice. Today, I speak with an artist and musician. Please welcome Johnny Hinchman. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Yale Anderson, welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Hope you guys are having a good week. We just got done with Kids Fest over this last weekend, uh, Camino Kids Fest. So if you haven't ever come to that, we do it every year. It's our annual event. It's a free kids event. Uh, and we at the Marketplace do a tie-dye shirt. Um, and so we've changed it up this year for the first time in a long time uh, for a new design. And so every year we're going to try and do a new design now uh, for our tie-dye shirt. So every year it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, we're super excited. Uh, had a great showing. Ran out of t-shirts again. No matter how many order, we always seem to run out. So, um, but yeah, it was a good time. Had a fun time with the the shirts. Uh, seemed like everyone had a good time there. So, um, thanks for a good showing there. Uh, as we look ahead, um, you know, we have a we've got a movie on the lawn coming up on August twelfth here in the complex. Uh, that one is actually going to be Rhea and the Last Dragon, so be sure to come up for that. There's going to be popcorn provided by Les Schwab, and um, and then we'll have candy for sale, and those sales of candy go to support different events here at the Commons. So um, uh, besides that, um, the big thing we have coming up here is Cider Fest. So it's called Camino Cider Fest. It's our first annual event, um, and we're really excited about this new event that we're going to be putting on. Um, the, uh, Emily, who's been working with me, um, for a couple years now has really, this has been her little baby that she's brought it up from, uh, you know, idea all the way to here. And, um, we're really excited to be able to actually put this event on. And so there's two different windows you can buy tickets for. Um, if you go to commandociderfest.com, uh, you can sign up there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good time. We've got, I think seven or eight cideries signed up so far. We're hoping to get a few more. Um, and you get to show up, get up, try a bunch of different ciders. Uh, we're going to have merch for sale. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So again, that is on, uh, September 2nd. I think I said August 2nd. That is September 2nd, September 2nd. Uh, that is Labor Day weekend. So, uh, there's going to be a lot of people in town. So it's going to be a good time, big party. Um, we're really excited for that. So mark your calendars for October, September 2nd, not October, not August, September. All right. All right, let me get into this episode. So we get to interview, or I got to interview, uh, Johnny Hinchman, who is a member of, uh, or was a member of the Late First Sky, uh, Jackson Brown Tribute Band, and um, great, great conversation with him. Uh, really kind of hearing those, that background of people who end up going to be a musician, um, and, and do having the highs and the lows. Um, it's your job is never done. You're the marketer. You're the salesperson. You're the product. You're everything. 
Um, and so he had some cool experiences. He had some times that he got to do some really cool things uh, that we get to talk about. Um, but it's, it's great hearing his, his, his uh, perspective on things, um, how his life and journey has kind of continued on, um, and how music has just been infused in that. Uh, how he's continued to do that. And he moved up here from California. So being a transplant now on Camino and, and getting involved in the music scene here. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, a great window into the life of a musician, uh, whether you're, you're full-time or whether you're a musician with a day job, as we talk about in this podcast, um, gives you perspective. Um, but, you know, it, it just, again, reminds you, you can do what you love. Um, you can keep going with it. And, um, and he's continued to do that. So he's actually going to be performing here in the complex, um, I believe on August 19th. Uh, we have a summer market, harvest market, not harvest market, just a summer market that uh, uh, is going to be being put on um, also by Emily. Um, has organized all that. But yeah, so we've got that market coming up and she's going to be playing for part of that market. So um, you can check out his music. We've also have links to all of his stuff in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with Johnny Hinchman. Hey, Aylanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with an artist and musician. Welcome to the podcast, Johnny Hinchman. Thanks, everybody. Good to be on the island. Yeah. Living on the island. Yeah, well, welcome. Thank you, my brother. All right. And Thanks before... for having me. <laughs> what was that? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm actually, very touched you reached out to have me on and tell my story and... Yeah. Well, and, and also you being kind of newer to the island. So I'm, uh, it's always fun to get intros of the people coming on the island and boy, for artist musician to get their voice out there. That's huge. Yeah. Being heard is the hardest thing ever for a musician. Right. (laughs) All right. So before we jump in, tell us a little bit about Johnny. Well, born and raised Sacramento, California. Um, I'm the fourth boy the youngest of four. Um, pretty much lived in that area my whole life, except for the last 25 years or so, I, I kind of moved up the hill towards Lake Tahoe. Okay. Uh, had to get out of town, but town always reaches back when you're going to play music or something. you got to be where the people are. And, right. And all my friends, which yeah. I'll mention all of you one by one. <laughs> <laughs> Very but, cool. Uh, grew up, grew up in California. Yeah. And um, so the sob story of musicians, you know, the pandemic hit, and I was canceled for over two years straight. Whew. You and, didn't even do anything wrong for that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, after going through the second year, um, kind of had to start reevaluating. You know, what what is what's going to be after the pandemic? Will there still be music? A lot of musicians that I know didn't come back after the pandemic, mm. you know. Um, so we came up to uh, Seattle in 2018 to see Pearl Jam. Okay. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And as we're uh, landing at SeaTac and looking out the window, I'm going, oh, my God, it's so beautiful here. And I'm from Lake Tahoe. This is a lot like Lake Tahoe. Okay. I, I'm not from Lake Tahoe, but I live near Tahoe, and that was my my hangout and this is a lot like Tahoe and so it really opened our minds up to expanding and moving up here it's really hot in California yeah a little bit enjoy the heat my friends (laughs) 
Very cool. So you grew up in Sacramento. Um, where did you get started in music? Or when? Well, here's my big story. I tell it a lot of my gigs. Um, it was fourth grade. And we were having a Christmas play. And this little curly-haired kid opened up the play. He was playing like honky-tonk piano. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I became friends with him. And I went and bought a guitar. And we started playing together in fifth grade when we were 10. Nice. It was a Catholic school. Okay. The same 25 kids that just moved next door, next door to second grade, third grade. So whenever I see any of those people after all these years, we're like family, right? Yeah. But anyway, this little kid was playing piano and had to hook up with him. And I bought a guitar and I started learning guitar from the Eagles bass player's dad. Wow. Timothy B. Schmidt's dad. He was from Sacramento. <laughs> okay. And they lived not far from us. And um, longer story longer, we're still playing together. That's Larry Audino, my brother in music. We've been playing together 52 years now. Wow. Very since cool. Since fifth grade. Awesome. When we were 10. <laughs> so that was my start. And then we played together through high school in bands. And, um, oh, later on, I was in a duo with my brother, and we went overseas, played for the troops during the Desert Storm War. Okay. And um, that's kind of how I got going. Yeah. So how was, what was that like, um, going over there and, and performing for the troops? That absolutely changed my life. Um, I'll never forget... Well, we played a, uh, me and my brother Jim, we were called the Hinchmen, a play on my last name, uh -huh. Hinchman. And we have kind of identical singing voices, so we were a harmony, real harmony group. Okay. So it was 91 when we went over there, and the movie Ghost was a big hit, and <laughs> Unchained Melody from the Everly Brothers was a hit again uh, when that movie came out. Mm -hmm. And so we were playing those songs, and... Um, we were playing at a little lounge in Sacramento, and there was a gal, Pam Dingate, came in. She's a, an a, uh, entertainment agent. Mm -hmm. She came up to us and said, how would you guys like to go overseas and play for the troops? And we're like, well, where do we sign, right? <laughs> and next thing you know, <laughs> we had our papers in hands and getting shots. And we went all over the Pacific during the war and played for all the troops that were going to or coming back from okay. the Gulf. Yeah. Most appreciative audience I've ever played for. Yeah. So we flew over there. We started with a month in Korea, went to Japan, Philippines, Guam, all these little Navy and military installations all over the Pacific. Wow. And um, we'd say, hey, we're, we're the henchmen from Sacramento, California. Dude, I'm from San Diego. Because that's close to home when you're that far away, right? Right, right. And um, I'll never forget flying home from that tour, looking out the window, heading into the darkness back towards the States, thinking, and I was 30. I was thinking, what am I going to do now? How am I going to top that? I've always been a guy that's kind of goal-oriented. Yep. Am I going to make a record now or... I, I got to take it to the next level, right? Yeah. So uh, I ended up, I got home and I, I quit my job and I went back to school and got my music degree. Okay. 
which taught me a lot about theory, which taught me how to write songs. Okay. And um, then the next goal was to be a signed artist and go tour around the world, um, which didn't actually happen, but we'll talk about <laughs> all my trying. Yeah. You know, for the next 30 years. Yeah. So, um, you know, you were saying you were got started in fourth grade with music. Um, up until that point, and then as you were getting into it, um, were there certain musicians or guitarists that were influential in kind of you deciding what type of style you wanted to play? Yeah, when I was, when I was that age and growing up, I was really into the acoustic music. Mm -hmm. So Led Zeppelin and bands like that didn't really do anything for me. I was really more into the Eagles in America and Loggins and Messina. Jackson Brown. Okay. I really wanted to be Kenny Loggins. I really wanted to be Jackson Brown. Um, and then, wow, full circle, all these years later, I have a Jackson Brown tribute band. <laughs> and I got to go out and be Jackson Brown. Very cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> sort of like that. Yeah. Kind of just like it. Yeah. Awesome. So then, um, it, during your time, did you, you also mentioned that you were... Uh, taught guitar by one of the the bass players from the Eagles' dad. Did you ever meet the Eagles then? I didn't get to meet the Eagles, although I did get to meet Tim a couple times. Um, when I was taking lessons from Tim's dad, Tim was in a group called Poco. Okay. Poco came after the Buffalo Springfield. Okay. Brandon, you remember them, right? <laughs> Buffalo Springfield had... Um, Neil Young and Stephen Stills. And okay. And when they broke up, they formed different bands, one being Poco. Got it. And Tim was in Poco when I was taking lessons from his dad. After that, uh, Tim became a member of the Eagles. But I got to meet him two or three times, um, usually just out in public. Mm hmm Okay. But super nice guy. Yeah. And I'm a big fan. Very cool. Um, yeah, so check out Poco. If you guys are Eagles fans... Poco. Check out Poco because Poco is a lot like the Eagles, and a lot of people haven't heard of them. Or definitely check out Poco. Okay, awesome. Um, of the musicians and stuff that you have followed uh, through present and, and in the past, uh, it, if there was any musician um, that you could meet, dead or alive, uh, who would that be, and what would you ask them? Well, you know. <laughs> I tell people, you can put on my tombstone that I think the, the best songwriter of all time is Paul McCartney. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, I won't say the Beatles are my absolute favorite band, my number one, but Paul McCartney was a songwriting machine. He dreamt, a lot, like yesterday, the song, he dreamt that song. Okay. So he woke up and it was in his head and he grabbed his little recorder and laid it down so he wouldn't forget. And after seeing all these Beatles and the new videos and just the way that he, he's a song machine. He's written more songs that are popular, I think, probably than anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what I would ask him because his, like, how do you, how do you come up with these songs? He's going to tell you he dreams them. I know the answer, but I envy him probably the most as far as music goes. And, yeah. And he's still alive. Yes. Yeah. Um, then, so you were in high school and you were doing, you were still playing music and everything. Um, you, you mentioned that after Desert Storm, after you did that tour, 
you quit your job and you went for your music degree. But prior to that, what were you doing then? What did you do after high school and stuff? Well, I was always a musician that had a day job. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mothers will come up to me and say, my son plays guitar, any advice for him? Or, you know, I say, don't quit your day job. Because, <laughs> you know, music gear is not cheap. Right. And you got to have a way to pay the bills. Um, Traveling's not cheap if you're playing out of town. Or yeah, and places. now, like, just an acoustic guitar, a, a, a pretty good one's a couple thousand bucks. You know, oh. back in the day, you can Yikes. get a good guitar for two, three hundred bucks. Right. Uh, but if you want to plug it in and so, I don't know if I answered your question. But what, what, I guess, what were you, did you just start, just start doing a day job or was there something else you were kind of thinking you were going to get into as a career? Well, it was either going to be a, a prep professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. So I, I did play some college JC ball. Okay. And uh, did get a tryout with the Reds one day. Okay. So they hit me like 10 fly balls, and I got to pitch like 10 pitches next. You know, you're a one of a million. Yeah. And my phone wasn't ringing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I still played music, and I was always doing some type of music show somewhere. Yeah. And um, just always stuck with it, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of became a... Uh, just it, it, it's it's what I do mm-hmm. you know people tell me you're so lucky to do what you love you play music and well it's 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 not a job but it's it's what I do it's my trade yeah you know so I've got I've got the that right brain gene and um just stuck with it but always had a day job to support myself yeah so, so. what changed when you came back from that tour you went and got your music degree. Where, what, where were you at mentally? How did you hit the ground uh, after that? Uh, what I, I just, you know, I learned a lot of music theory from school, which taught me how to write songs, uh, where to go and what keys. And, um, and in college music, it's all classical. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard for me because I'm a pop music guy. And so uh, five semesters of theory, and a lot of that was Bach and Brahms, and oh my goodness, you know, I didn't know any of that material, but got to meet a lot of fellow students, and I got musically involved with them, and music projects with them, and uh, got, you know, so any town you're in, there's a music scene. Yeah. And you'll get to know everybody at the local club, and all the other bands, and just networking. I, I, I tended to be always in a band. Usually it was my band, though. Okay. Um, I'm kind of that way. I was the captain of the baseball team and president of my grade school and kind of a leader guy. And so I would write songs and gather a band around me. In high school, I went to go see Jackson Brown at the big auditorium in oh, Sacramento. Very I, cool. I had like third row and he walked out and he had me hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> and so singer-songwriters that have a band, James Taylor, um, that really got my goat. And that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So if I can write the songs and not depend on somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I always had a band assembled, which musicians know that's really hard to keep a band together. Yeah. Um, 
So a lot of years of writing songs and playing around town and waiting for the big producer from L.A. to come knocking, and he didn't. So, <laughs> so I'm on Camino now. <laughs> so then during that time, were you still just working day, a day job and then performing yep. around? Yep, always doing the day job. Um, and in, in my area, there were a ton of clubs and places to play. Yeah. So always kept busy. Yeah. Awesome. And, and are those... Uh, you know, for someone who's not familiar on that side, are those typically you're putting your name into a lottery or you're signing up or, you know, or are they reaching out to you guys? Uh, you've got to knock on doors. Okay. You know, that's, that's really the hardest part about music is yeah. having that bio package, um, that demo package and recordings. And now it's videos and, um, and technology, you know, and I refer to people like there used to be a show on VH1 called Behind the Music. Mm -hmm. And this week it's Motley Crue and this week it's Poison or whatever the band. Yeah. And there was a common theme that all these bands in Michigan or whatever, they got in the van and they moved to L.A. Yeah. And they made it. Yeah. And, you know, it really takes a big effort from a musician. If you want to make it, don't expect someone to come knocking. Yeah. Um, but get popular in your local scene. And if, 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 if the club's full when you play, hopefully someone else will hear your songs and, yeah. and, and see that you're popular. And Yeah. Well, and it's that, that consistency of the day in, day out. I mean, I know there's the story about the Beatles and, and how they just played at that um, overnight, 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 you know. Yeah, they went to Germany. Mm -hmm. So there's another example of they left home. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if they got really discovered in Germany, but uh, by the time they got back, they were really on top of their game. Yeah. But, I found that when I did my tour with my brother, and we would play minimum six days a week, a different yeah. base, yep. a military base. Yeah. Every day, and boy, when we got home, we were really good. Yeah, it's that repetition and that practice, and yeah, um, it just becomes reflex. Yeah, but it's it's an it's intentional practice as well. When you're, um, you know, they talk about from a sports side, it's like you can practice on the training field, but then like in a game, it's different. There's pressures, there's different things. So when you're playing in front of someone for six nights a week, that's different than playing six nights in your house six nights a week. Oh, absolutely. I'm I. I consider myself a singer mm -hmm. more than a guitar player. Yeah. I played guitar 50 years, 52 years. <laughs> right, Larry? Um, I do play piano, too. Um, but singing, uh, you know, to prepare for a show, I go in my studio and I sing three hours a day. Okay. Because when you're going to sing, you can go in your studio and practice at 100%. But when you go to a show, you're going to sing at 110. Yeah. You're going to go for that other note. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll be a little, not strained, but uh, so if you got a show the next day, you got to be in shape. It's about right. being in shape. Yeah. And that means working out and staying in shape. M music's a physical thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's you know, where as all the different muscles of every part of your body they still kind of all work the same in the sense of like, if you're, you've got to stretch them, you got to exercise them, you got to keep them in shape and otherwise that goes away. Uh, and then you do one thing wrong and it screws it all up. 
Well, and it's amazing, you know, um, and so I really envy when I see really great singers. It's a very physical thing. And the calories you burn at Uh one show, it's amazing. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drink pitchers of water at a show. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, especially because it's also like, it's almost like hot yoga mixed with like, you know, hit workout. (laughs) It's a lot of mental. And you have to be singing that whole time. (laughs) A lot of mental stuff because you're trying to remember the chords and the words and... I'm kind of addicted to lyrics. I have a huge binder of lyrics. Okay. And so when I play a show, I never have a music stand or an iPod or something that's scrolling lyrics. I, I kind of take pride in knowing the lyrics. Yeah. And I play some pretty long songs, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Is there something that you've always just kind of had as far as memory and stuff? Like once you're in the flow, you just remember all the song lyrics or... You know, I just kind of got addicted to the art of remembering the lyrics because when you're singing a song in front of a a big crowd, you've got to be thinking a couple sentences ahead. Mm -hmm. Even on your guitar, you've got to, you know. um, But once you get through it, I kind of go to my visual of my songbook in my head when I'm staring at the crowd. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm on the second page in the second verse, and it begins with this word and... There's an art to that. And I yeah. kind of got addicted to that. Nice. Very cool. So I know you played uh, a solo show this month in July, um, but you've also recently played with Late for the Sky, which is a Jackson Brown tribute band. Yes. Um, do you prefer being a solo show or being part of an ensemble? Well, you know, bands are hard to yeah. uh, hold together. Um. I'm kind of a guy that likes to depend on myself only. Yeah. I would tend to say solo. However, my duo partner, Larry Audino. Yeah. Um, nothing's better than playing with him. We, we read each other after all these years. Yeah, it's a long time. We know where we're going next. Yeah. Even if I make a mistake or if he makes a mistake, we know where we make our own mistakes. <laughs> so he's got my back. Uh-huh. So to have somebody uh, that's got your back... So I would say probably as a duo, um, yeah, because, you know, I had my own band. After I got back from my tour, I went on as the henchman without my brother. Okay. And I was writing songs now, and I was doing a local CD, and I had my own band, but then the bass player quits, so I need a new bass player, and then the by the time we get him broken and the guitar player joined a different band. And yeah. So that's all just really hard. You're missing a lot of time out there playing. Uh, yeah. Solo's good. Yeah. Well, the other thing is you, not only that, but you also have the drama side of that, of like, you know, <laughs> different bands have drama, you know? <laughs> you said it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that just takes a lot of mental fortitude of like, I'm trying not to hold a grudge against this person because I, I understand why they did this. But it's personal because you're like, I... I thought we were a team. Well, and you know, um, back in my day, there used to be a bulletin board at the music store looking for a guitar player, looking for a drummer. And I met a lot of people that way. Yeah. But you're still bringing a stranger into a band. You don't know know anything about these people. Yeah. I went and saw Toto recently at the Snohomish Casino. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Toto. And Steve Lukather is the guitar player in Toto. He's one of the best. And... I saw an interview with him recently, and he was saying, I think this is the 15th rendition of Toto. 
And he was saying, you know, I've had a lot of guys in the band that we're not friends. It's strictly business. Mm. And I've been there too, you yeah. know. So when it comes to someone leaving the band, you, there's, there's no reeling them back. They're, they've got their mind made up. So yeah. back to depending on yourself, being solos, especially if you wrote the songs. Right. And that's what I like about the singer-songwriters like Jackson Brown and James Taylor. They can have a big band and it sounds great, but they can go do that show all by themselves with that guitar they wrote that song on. Yeah. Or that piano. Yeah. And make it work because that's where it was written. Right. So that, I really, that's a true artist. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. And I, I think that other piece too, you know, I, I've seen that in, uh, there's the benefit of the team uh, or a band or, or whatever. Um, but it's, like you said, there's that reliancy in things. And when you've got any sort of wild card in there that it's not in your control, then it's, you know, it makes it a lot harder. Well, I will have to say, too, you know, I've written songs and then brought them to the band. And you've got to give them their input. Right. And when all is said and done and we've reworked the song with their ideas and we go and record a CD or something, when I look back, their input really did make the song better. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm also an artist. Um, I'm a pyrographer. I wood burn. Okay. Uh, so I took my wood burning pen from Scouts. And I took it to a new level where I do portraits. And, okay. You know. Um, but I'm not a big fan of my own art. Yeah. And I think a lot of singer-songwriters are like that. Like, I saw Sting get inducted into uh, the Kennedy Center Honors. Okay. And I saw him interviewed, and he's always very scowly. Even though this album was great, he's already thinking about the next album. Yeah. And he's an artist. And, yeah. And so, you know, as an artist, I would do art shows and people would rave about my art. And I did really well with my art and I sold all my art. And I did really well with my songs and stuff too, but I don't want to hear my own voice. Yeah. I, I'm not really a big fan of my own art <laughs> because I'm always thinking the next, the, the next thing I do will be better. Yeah. So why Absolutely. look down at... I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of artists are that way. Just, yeah. Even when you hear your own podcast, isn't it weird to hear Yeah, I don't listen voice? to the whole thing. I used to, uh, <laughs> this is the back, you know, the back room stuff, but like I used to listen <laughs> to the whole podcast all the way through and write these really detailed notes throughout the whole thing so there'd be good show notes. And um, I stopped doing that and I really just kind of skimmed through the podcast to find a clip for my opener. Uh, and then I, and I take notes during the podcast to say, Oh, I need a link to this. Oh, I need to put this in the show notes. And that way I don't have to re-listen to it again. Not that it's, it's bad or anything, but I'm like, I already lived it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm already got the next podcast schedule. Right. Well, when you record, when you're singing and you hear yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. No <laughs> one, no one likes to hear their own voice. Yeah. So you've got to learn how to, uh, manipulate it in a way that is friendly or what it, you know. Yeah. But you know what? It's great. It's great to critique yourself. You become, oh, yeah. you become better. Yeah. I've had a lot of people recently ask me, they'll say, wow, as, as a singer, you're kind of like at the top of your game, but it's not really my ability. It's knowing in my head from experience what not to sing 
and how to have dynamic, sing softer and then sing louder, mm-hmm. know what not to do yeah. <laughs> in yeah. public. And so a lot of you know, wisdom comes in after years of singing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there, there's always, uh, this is probably where, when you get into that whole uh, practice and skills and things like that of growing, this is something I'm learning in uh, some of other things. Um, I, I play video games, stuff like that, so and I like competitive ones. Um, and like when you're learning, when I listen to like coaches talk, they they will say like go back and watch your old games, and then you have to see okay, I oh, see I did this absolutely, you know, ten oh times. Goodness. Don't do that anymore, or yeah. like these different things. And then you also <laughs> you have to practice the technical side. So like in in you know in instruments stuff like that. Like when I was practicing guitar, I was like. I can't do bar chords, so I need to just sit there and go bar off, bar off, and like over and over. Uh-huh. And eventually, you get to the point where you're like, I can kind of play it. And then you start bringing it into your practice, and you try playing with it. And then you go back to the drawing board, and you're like, okay, no, I need to practice a little more. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's the practicing well and not just if I just play for 10,000, you know, that whole 10,000-hour thing. If I just play for 10,000 hours, it'll be better. Yes and no. You've got to be, you know, focused on it, too. Well, I'm a big advocate of little recorders. Mm-hmm. So I've got this little recorder. It's, it's like eight inches long, and it's got these two little mics on the front of it, like the size of a quarter. Okay. Right? And I set it in front of myself with the headphones on, and it sounds like I'm in a million-dollar studio. Mm-hmm. I don't have to plug in or anything. I just set it right on the desk in front of me. And listening back to yourself is really great practice yeah and when you see videos of yourself you learn what not to do on stage (laughs) you know like for musicians a big no-no for musicians yeah don't look at each other when you see a band up on a stage and they're all looking to the middle to the singer right or you see a band where they're not looking at each other at all that shows confidence yeah and yeah that's a no-no yeah. But you learn that when you watch a video of yourself playing, right. you know. Well, and, it's, and now we live in this age where we were talking about technology and stuff like that, where when you shoot like a, a video sing-along or like a the music video, but like a more relaxed version of it, like you do see a lot more of them looking at each other because it's like part of the video. But yeah, you, when you're on stage, you don't have a central camera that you're focusing on. You're focusing on the outside, the crowd. Right. Yeah. So it's different. They feel the same, though, because you're recording and you're all playing the song. And you're in this kind of hyped environment. Yeah. But it's very different. you got to yeah. distinguish. Yeah. If you're five guys in a band going out in front of a big crowd, you've got to look them in the eye. Don't look at each other. You looked <laughs> at each other in all those rehearsals. Right. So, yeah. Looking at yourself in video, you learn a lot. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so... When you started getting into music writing, you said that kind of built as you were going through your music degree and stuff. Mm-hmm. What were things that kind of, um, I guess, do you have like a creative process you go through when you write songs? Yeah, I was telling somebody the other day, for years and years and years, I would sit, I, I do play piano. Mm-hmm. Um, I call that my second instrument. But I'm kind of like that singer-songwriter. I, I can play the chords and accompany myself and write a, a melody and a song and perform it, yeah. right? Um, but a lot of hours just sitting at a piano, banging out a melody and have your recorder ready when that idea comes just to get it on some type of you right. know, uh, digital. Um, 
but it's a lot of late nights just trying to come up with another idea and another melody and I'm kind of the one I come up with a melody first okay and then I'll uh, apply the lyrics yeah although I've written here's a little story a, a guy walked into our local music store in Sacramento mm-hmm. and he says hey I'm a wannabe poet and I've got this huge binder of poems. Do you know anybody that would write music to my poems? Well, he called me and I hooked up with this guy and I ended up writing like six songs. And uh, then he would, you know, once I wrote the song, he would call the studio, the big studio, and pay for me to go record the song for him. Okay. But the easy part was, is I could open up his binder and there's a poem called... Oh, the bird or whatever, uh, and gave me a whole concept to write towards. Right. I didn't have to think of uh, uh, something to write about. So right. then I could create a melody about a bird. Yeah. Or yeah. What, it kind of, you know, t- to be given that really helps a lot, you yeah. know? And I wasn't writing for myself at that point. Yeah. And then I was in a really great band um, called Rogue in Sacramento. Um, Great singer, Randy Scholes, best singer in the whole Sacramento area. And when I was in that band, I could write a song based on his voice. Okay. He sounded a lot like the guy in Bad Company, okay. Paul Rogers. And so to come, I could come up with an idea for him to sing. And that was, that was a lot easier to write that way instead of something for myself. Yeah. I've got to come up with oh my, the melody and a concept. and Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that always stands out to me when you're looking at music or writing or any of this stuff is how do you block out (laughs) all of the other medallies that get stuck in your head? And you're like, oh, this sounds really cool. And then, you know, three minutes later, you're like, "Ah, that's why it's cool. It sounds like this song. Right. How do you kind of deal with that? Well, everybody I've ever known that writes songs, Mm -hmm. you're going to hear their influences in those songs. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my critique on, on newer music. Yeah. That it's all been done. Yes. You know, now the Beatles and the Beach Boys and those guys, they were kind of groundbreaking. And I, I'm waiting for that next groundbreaking band. Um, but everybody that I know that writes songs, um, you're going to hear their influences in their songs. And that's normal. Yeah. You know, it's got to be. Right. Yeah. I think what's hard is like, there's there's the influence which I understand that side, but like literally hearing the like because they write them to be catchy, they write the melodies to be catchy. So like you're humming along and you're like, this sounds really cool. I like how this is. And then again, you you know, and and this obviously happens, right? We see this in like big bands. Sometimes they're like, hey, they stole this from this band, right? And it's like, I'm I don't know, but my guess is it probably wasn't intentional. They're sitting there, they're like, this is a great tune. We're gonna do this, not realizing I was walking to a grocery store and heard this in the background and. That's right. where it came from, right? Right. Well, you know, I tell people in music, there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you can learn those chords and how many millions of songs have been written yeah. in history, and they, they're all A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. And so the new song hit that just came out has A and G and D in it. Yeah. It, it's just to create another melody over those same musical chords. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's kind of a tribute to 
humans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so human. Yeah. And that's what I love about music. I, the thing that really grabbed me about music and made me want to do music would be, you know, you go to a rock concert and they come out rocking the first couple songs. And then the third song is like a ballad. Yeah. And next thing you know, my eyes are all tearing up and goosebumps. <laughs> and to move someone like that emotionally. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I was lucky enough when I was in the band Rogue, we did two CDs and uh, our hometown heroes in Sacramento was a band called Tesla. Okay. Tesla was really big in the 80s, and they're still out doing it. And the guitar player, Frank Hannon, which I'll go on record saying, one of the best in the world. Frank Hannon of Tesla is incredible guitar player. Anyway, he produced our, our two CDs. So we got to go to their studio, and he'd open up his guitar vault and say... Oh, on this song, why don't you use this guitar? He had them all, right? Wow. And learned a lot from him that way. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. Brain fart. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, all of those pieces are, are really cool because I think uh, as you're going through that process, it's just, there's, yeah, there's so much to think about. We, um, uh, you know, it, it's always funny when I'm listening to certain songs and you do pick up those other tones or, or sometimes you, you get enough of a string of a melody where you're like, oh, that's from that song. Or you're like, that sounds like a song from something else. Right. And you know, it's amazing. All the, all the music you don't know. Yeah. You might have written the same song and just never heard it even. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because we're human. Well, not just that. Your brain is, the brain is so fascinating, but it... It captures, music is such a weird thing because it, it, the way the brain processes music and deals with it is so is not like speech and not like picture. It's all, it's its own thing. Um, so your brain will capture certain melodies or songs or things. Like I said, you could be walking to a grocery store hearing a song you've never, that you you don't actually know, like if someone asked you on the street, but your brain is, is archived that data. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I'll, I'll be at Home Depot, and I, I, there's a song subliminally playing. Mm-hmm. And by the time I'm back in my car, I'm humming that song. So, yeah, yeah, it does stick with you. Absolutely. So, yeah, you, you will sound like your influences. Yeah. So, um, when you started performing and stuff like that, did you ever experience stage fright? Oh, I still do. Okay. Oh, and really, the only way to get over that is confidence. Just be well rehearsed, you know. Um, no, the shot of whiskey doesn't really help. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, especially if you're a singer and you got to remember a lot of words and stuff, yeah. you don't want anything really. <laughs> deli- Although the 70s artists will tell you differently, right? The psychedelic era and yes. stuff. But, yeah, for me, I'm, I, I got to be clear-minded. And with stage fright, it's every time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, cool little story. So I just played at Dusty Cellars here yeah. on, on the Shout island. Shout out to Dusty Cellars, too. And, oh, absolutely. Ryan and Dusty, love you guys. Thanks for having me. And I'll be back there September 2nd, by the way. Awesome. Um, for the last show we did, that I did a couple weekends ago, uh, my good buddy Larry Adina flew up from California and played oh, with me Oh, I was just that about day. to ask about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. That was incredible. 
And what was really cool, too, is I'm new to the island. I moved a thousand miles away, left all my family and friends and band, you know, my music bands and stuff, and moved into a really small neighborhood here on the island. But I've gotten to know the whole neighborhood. And at Dusty Cellars, they were all there. Oh, very cool. So talk about being nervous. <laughs> they all knew I played, but they'd never heard me. Okay. <laughs> so they're all staring at me from no one. We're ready. <laughs> so that was, you know, stage fright still happens e- mm-hmm. even out on the island. Yeah. Very cool. That, I was going to ask you about that, though. So Larry is still down in, in California, mm-hmm. um, but he'll, he's come up. Was that his first time up here then? No, he's actually been up a couple times just to visit and check it out. Um, but when he was up in April, I told, we celebrate our... We have the same birthdays even in April. Oh, for, very We're cool. a couple of days apart, but we celebrate together. And, okay. Uh, I was telling him, I've got this date at the winery. You know, you're, you're welcome if you, you can use... He, I've got the gear, too, here. You can just come up and use my gear. And he, he is just the best person ever. And he's like, <laughs> I'm in. So he actually brought one of his keyboards up, flew a thousand miles. Wow, that must be fun going through all the things. Oh my god, <laughs> the keyboard! What a magical day! So I'm with my my best buddy at Dusty Cellars with my whole neighborhood there. Yeah, it was another magical moment. Nice, that's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about this before, but. For people that are looking to get into music, and, and we talked about how you were saying people, the musicians that have made it, um, so many of them, it was they took, picked up, left, and went. Yeah. But there's a lot of stories of musicians that picked up, left, and went, and eventually came back or, you know, are now on the streets of somewhere. Um, how, what would you say to someone that is looking to become a musician and really get into that um, what, what type of advice would you give them? Well, you know, from 30 years ago when I was really trying to be the rock star, things have changed. Mm-hmm. So now everything's on a cloud. And album, not CDs, albums, it's all bought online. Yeah. Downloaded songs. Mm-hmm. And so I think the industry's changed so much that... Uh, that wasn't when I was trying to do all that. Um, it was about getting a demo in front of an A&R guy at a record company. Um, now, I don't even have any songs out there to be downloaded. Um, actually, I think there are from my band Rogue. Okay. So if you look up Rogue yeah. um, from Sacramento, R-O-G-U-E, because a lot of people spell it R-O-U-G-E. We were called Rouge many times. Uh, <laughs> I think they have songs on uh, oh, some different sites to download. Okay. And, and those are songs I'm on and, and par- participated in a lot of the writing. And yep. you'll hear me in those songs. But okay. as far as that, uh, but after that, uh, it's changed so much. It's not trying to sell a CD anymore. Right. You know, it's all downloaded, and I think that's hurt a lot of musicians. It's probably helped a lot of musicians, too, because now you can be heard around the world. Right. Right? At a click. Yep. Um, yeah. There's always so two I really sides. wouldn't know what to tell the young musician. Yep. I'm not super techie. Yep. Um, but I think that's 
the way it's the direction it's going. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think at this point it's here to stay. And we are really seeing on streaming though, there is some evolution that hasn't happened yet that I think we are in the process of seeing happen, uh, both on the music streaming, on the movie streaming. Obviously there's a big strike going on with SAG and, uh, the writer's guild as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, screenwriters guild and the actors guild. Uh Um, and, and it's a lot of it has to do with streaming because when someone can listen to a song with a click, how do you define that as far as dollars and cents? Because what if someone puts your song on repeat for, you know, 20 days, you know, and, and how does that work? And so, yeah. I would assume that's kind of like YouTube. Um, I do have YouTube videos out there. If you Google Johnny Hinchman or Odd Man Out, which was my duo with Larry, that's A-U-D-M-A-N. We're, and on Facebook, you could look at us at uh, Odd Man Out Duo. Um, so YouTube is one way to get yourself out there. Yep. Um, but they've, they've got to just, it's got to, it's going to come up on somebody's feed, you yeah. know, for them to find you. Right. Um, versus I think like the cloud downloading, uh, there'll be recommendations on what you listen to. Right. right? Like YouTube. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um. Is there any equipment or gear that you think is super essential to your process? Having a little recorder to record your ideas. Yeah. So what I do, I've got this little recorder. And like when I play with uh, Larry and I've, I've got some lead guitar parts, mm-hmm. I'll record the rhythm part of the lead part. Yeah. And then I can play that over and over back and practice with that. Yeah. Um, even harmonies, vocals. You can buy a little eight-track digital recorder for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And it's like CD quality. Yeah. Um, they call it HD quality, but <clears throat> man, for two hundred bucks, what a tool! Right. You know, it's getting that idea. Also, if you have a great song idea, hit record and just lay it out, yeah. so you don't have to try and remember it. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, and that that part is hard too, because it's like, how do I make sure that you know? How do you make sure that you did it the same way you did the first time, exactly. over and over? And then, what happens when on the seventeenth time you play it, you're like, oh, I really like how I did that way this time which is different than the other 16 times I've done right. it. So. Well, here's an idea. So I'm a big Jackson Brown fan. Yeah. And his music isn't really technically, you know, it's not scorching musicianship. But his writing, he'll have three verses in a song. They're all different. Mm-hmm. They all end differently or start differently. Yeah. And so the hard part about his music playing it live is remembering does it go up or down? The arrangements. Yeah. You know, um, he's very clever that way. Yeah. It's just G, C, and D maybe, but <laughs> remembering, oh, on the second verse, it does this little skip or yep. something. Yeah. So um, having a little recorder, record yourself. Yeah. And then you can critique your voice. and. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, looking forward, do you have any plans or goals for your music um, for kind of getting set up and established here in the, the Northwest? Well, so I had my band Late for the Sky at Jackson Brown Tribute Band. I I started that in fall of 2019. So by right after the first of the year in 2020, we were ready to go. And so we had a full show. 
we were booked at amphitheaters and uh, theaters. COVID hit Mar uh. March 1st. And we were canceled for over two years. Yeah. And we kept the band together. And um, But after two years, there, there were cracks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guitar players moving to Georgia. And um, I started looking around, too. And I, I, I fell in love with the Northwest. And uh, I just kind of decided... Nobody knew what was going to happen to live music, yeah. even if it was going to survive. Right. Um, so in the meantime, I had actually bought a lot here on Camino. Okay. Online. <laughs> I'd never been here. Wow. So while I was in the uh, process of purchasing that lot, I told my wife, I can't move somewhere where I've never even stepped on that mud. Yeah. So we came up here during COVID, took a COVID flight from hell. Yeah. It was peak COVID. Oh, wow. And yeah. so I wore two masks and, you know, hoodie on the plane. And and the minute I got up here, I knew this is for me. Yeah. You know, going to do something different, you know. But you can't take the music out of the musicians. So I got here. I, I've got a great studio set up at my house. Okay. And I play all day long. And I'm kind of at the top of my game. Um, although I will say... It's hard to break into a music scene. If you go a thousand miles, you know, back home, yep. I was known a little bit in my music scene. So yeah. it wasn't that hard to find a, a gig. Yeah. You fly a thousand miles away from that and yeah. try and break into a music scene. And here the music scene isn't the amount of people right. aren't local like they are where I come from. Yeah. So to knock on doors and try to be heard and... A lot of people are set in their ways, and that's the worst part about being a musician is marketing yourself. Yeah. Because you got to go and say how great you are, and I'm really not that way, <laughs> you know? That's when an agent really comes in. Right. You don't see, you know, the big bands, they're not talking to a venue. It's, it's an agent or a promoter yep. that's handling all that, yeah. right? Um, but if you're a local musician, you got to go knock on a door and... They're like, yeah, well, get in line, you know, or we're booked for the year. For instance, like this year, I got my studio together and I kind of snoozed. And about April, I decided I was going to really get serious and knock on doors. And yeah. everybody's booked for the year. Yeah. So it's been really hard for me. Um, and then there's Dusty and Ryan. <laughs> uh, they give me two shows on the island. And I'm really happy doing that. Yeah. You know, um, and I. It's funny. There's a lot of people that have retired here to the island. Yeah. There's a lot of 50, 60-year-old guys that have come up to me after seeing me play going, oh, my God, I retired here, and I got a guitar, and I really want to play all those songs. How about some lessons? Or let's get together. And I'm, would you play at my house for a party? Yeah. That's on the water. Or <laughs> Yeah. So... That's really worked out great for me, you yeah. know, to meet a lot of people with similar interests. And yep. Nice. I even had a guy at Dusty Cellars the other day. He thanked me for moving here. God, thanks for moving here, man. We really needed you. It's like, <laughs> wow, that, that's a heart warmer. That's awesome. Very cool. 
So then, uh, what's next for Johnny Hinchman then? Do, do you have upcoming shows? I know you mentioned the one at Dusty Cellars in, in September. Yep. Um, unfortunately, Larry's got a gig already down in California. He's okay. not going to make it for that. But, um, you know, the Late for the Sky Jackson Brown tribute band, my right-hand man in that band was Larry. Okay, yeah. And um, we have developed the Jackson Brown show as a solo, I have developed as a solo artist, but he's my right-hand man. Yeah. He plays all those piano parts, and we're currently talking to the Lincoln Theater. Okay. And oh, that'd be great. We're hoping to do a show there, if not by the end of the year, early in the spring. Okay. Um, I've also talked to a promoter who has worked with a lot of the theaters, Mount Baker Theater in Bellingham. Yeah. Uh, there's a big theater in Everett, yep. which the name will escape me right now. But potentially he might get involved with us and book us uh, doing Jackson Brown shows around the state of Washington. Cool. There's only one other Jackson Brown tribute in the country, and that's on the East Coast. Okay. So I've got the niche Yeah. if we can get the gigs. Nice. Well, I went to a show at the Lincoln Theater, uh, James Taylor. Okay. Uh, tribute show it was really good nice. and the Lincoln Theater in Mount Vernon so nice yes it's a really cool place so seriously considering doing the Lincoln Theater and, and see if we can get that off the ground nice very cool alright well I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions so the, <laughs> the first one is what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months huh. well music gear the only thing under 100 bucks is some strings still. Yeah. I would say for a little bit over 100 bucks. Yeah. Pushing 200 bucks okay. is wireless for your guitar. Oh, so okay. So like when I play at an outdoor venue. Yeah. Or even indoors. So I've got my guitar wireless. I can walk through the crowd while I'm playing. Wow. And that's really... That'll develop fans. Yeah, that's very cool. How is the latency on that? Because I struggle with that with, like, you know, headphones. Latency is really good. Mm-hmm. You just got to watch your distance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've wandered too far before <laughs> and left people in the band stranded. <laughs> so, okay. But for, for about, you know, 175 180 bucks, you can get a nice little wireless that's for, your, really cool. for your guitar. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Wow. Well, outside of my family be hard because obviously my wife, Susan, is my, my angel. <laughs> um, I would say my next door neighbor my whole life in Sacramento was George Papalius. And George, I could hear out my bedroom window. He was a big Cat Stevens fan. Okay. And he played guitar. And he was playing Cat Stevens all day long. And it ends up, George is Cat Stevens in a Cat Stevens tribute band. Okay. And my last show in California before I moved up here, George actually opened our show. Oh, cool. As a matter of fact, if we do the Lincoln Theater, I'm I'm hoping to have him open our show there. Okay. Um... But George is the only guy I know that is a solo singer-songwriter tribute artist. Yeah. Most of the tribute shows you see, they're a band. Yeah. It's Journey or 
whoever the band is, right? Yeah. But not really a singer-songwriter tribute, you know? Yeah. Jackson Brown's one, but I don't know of any others until I saw the James Taylor one. But George, being the Cat Stevens, yeah. me and him talk, we joke, it's every phone call's two hours. Because <laughs> we, we, we do the same thing. Yeah. So we relate to each other on everything from gear, the songs, yeah. and performing, when to breathe on a mic and show emotions and super in-depth music conversations. Right. He's, he's a big influence to me. He's Very my cool. brother. That's awesome. Love him. All right. This is a fill in the blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Well, I've always wanted to have a number one album. I've, I've always wanted to be a signed artist and, yeah. and on tour. Yeah. When I did my, uh, the USO type tour, playing for the troops what a man you just to see so many different places especially overseas the yeah. cultures yeah just changes your life yeah gives you different perspectives on life uh, so at least I got to do that and that really yeah. did change my life yeah um, I, I vowed to myself that this fall since I've got my whole studio set up now I'm going to write a record. Okay. So I'm going to have a large series of songs I'll record at my house and maybe take to a, a studio here. There's a guy locally. I'll give him a plug. Chris Eager. Okay. Chris Eager is like, to me, he's the guy here locally. Yeah. My neighbors took me to see him when we got here and I was so impressed and I'm going to have to hook up with him. He's got a professional studio. Okay. I think it's in Mount Vernon. Maybe I'll go do my, my record with him or professional studio when I get all my material together. Yeah. So. Nice. And I, I really want to do, I want to step out on that theater, that sold out theater with my guitar. I really want to do that. Yeah. By myself. Awesome. That's a great, yeah. great goal. Back to the stage fright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got this. Uh, who's an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of the Camino Center. Mm -hmm. I played there. Um, I volunteered there a couple times, just playing music for an event they have. Yeah. Not even singing, just because I want to be a part and meet people. Yeah. And I played an event a week or two ago, last week. Um, but Bonnie, the yes. director of yeah. the Camino Center, she's amazing. She is. Absolutely. She is so in touch with this community in mm -hmm. so many ways. And the center, I'm such a fan of the center. Yeah. Um, I would say Bonnie. Yeah. I mean, she could tell you more things about this community. Yeah. And, and I'm all ears. She's just amazing. Yeah. The people she knows. Yeah. And, and what she's done with the center. Uh, she, she took it over. There was a lot of things going wrong and she turned all of those things around and then was the, you know, the director during COVID and uh, you know, what a time. And that place is all about helping people mm -hmm. and the help they give people. And I'm going to donate my time there. I'm just going to volunteer. Um, and maybe one day, you know, because they have acoustic Tuesdays and ukulele classes yeah. and I, I do have a nice ukulele that's collecting dust. But maybe one day I'll even teach a guitar class there. Mm -hmm. 
because there's those guys I mentioned. Yep. Thanks for moving here. <laughs> I'm 60 years old and I've got a guitar. Maybe one day I'll do something like that there and just donate my time and do some good things. Nice. What a great community. Yeah. Very cool. Blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very cool community to be part of. And you're a big part of it. Yeah. And well, the, and yeah, the things you do here, here and, and you're so community oriented, it's, I'm touched to be a part of this even. This is, this is really special. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Well, if I only knew how, we used to joke when I was a kid, one day in the future, they'll, they'll have telephones where you can see the other person. And now everyone's got one in their hip pocket, right? Uh-huh. I would say, I'm not tech savvy, you know, so computers and apps, and I'm really behind on that. If, if I knew when I was 20, how, you know, God, just your TV, you're streaming, yeah. right? Um, I would tell myself, I would, I would be more tech savvy if I could warn myself, <laughs> um, you know, even like my tour I did in 91, playing for the troops. Yeah. So we're playing for the, the, the USS Nimitz okay. right, aircraft carrier. Yeah. I don't have any video of that. Oh. You know, there's no, it's all memories. Yeah. I've got a couple still photos, you know. But it's amazing technology now. Everybody's got a phone. Yeah. And, and recording. Yeah. And I used to get offended when I'm playing or I'm doing an what art are you show. Doing? Yeah, people walk into my art booth with taking pictures of every single one of my art pieces, and I'd get offended. Or you go to a concert and you can't see because the person in front of you is holding the phone up. But that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, get over it. <laughs> yep. So I would I would tell myself to get more. T- be on top of tech. Yes. And be savvy. Yeah. You know. Well, it's never too late. Yeah, really. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, thank you so much for joining on the podcast today. Absolutely, Brandon. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be a part of uh, Camino Island and the community. Yeah. Well, once again, welcome to the island and welcome to the community. Hey, if you ever want to track me down, too, um, I haven't set up, like, a page for my solo music. Yeah. Um, but you could go to... Uh, on Facebook, Late for the Sky, put in Late for the Sky Jackson Brown Tribute, and you'll be able to find me, and I'll post my solo stuff there initially. Or you can go to Odd Man Out, A-U-D-M-A-N, Out. That was my duo with Larry. Okay. And that is on Facebook. I think it's Odd Man Duo or Odd Man Out Duo. You'll find us. Yeah, absolutely. And there's lots of videos there. Um, And you can write to me there, too. Okay. Or you could even email me. I, I call myself the Camino Island guitarist because I, <laughs> I had to find a way to market myself here, right? And hopefully people want to hire locally. Um, you could email me at john, J-O-H-N dot J-H rustic, R-U-S-T-I-C at Gmail. All right. So if you want to hook up a, a, and need a guitar player for an event or whatever, you can email me there too. All right. And of course, we'll have all of this linked in the show notes so you guys can just go down there and, and, and explore all of uh, Johnny's music. So. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining me on the podcast. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you at the show. Yes. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Johnny Hinchman for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. 
And for more information on this episode, check in the show notes, go to commandocommons.com slash podcast, and I will talk to you on the next one.